Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, could Ohio become the permanent home of the U.S. Space Command? Senator Sherrod Brown is among those making the pitch to the Biden administration. Also this morning, Mission 100, how an innovative program developed by the U.S. Army to care for the mental and physical well-being of those who serve can provide many of the same benefits to all of us. We'll learn more. We have the official announcement of the upcoming season of shows at Tiffin's Ritz Theater and what a season it's going to be. And another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, June 16th, 2023. Did you get any hail at your place uh, yesterday here at uh, at our house uh, yesterday afternoon? Here's the thing. Yesterday morning on the program, we were talking about uh, how it could be in for some rough weather. There's a possibility of some severe storms, and we were kind of talking this up, keep an eye on the sky, you know, all of that. And then through most of the afternoon, uh, it there was nothing. <laughs> I was looking at the radar saying, well, we sounded like idiots this morning. And then, boom, just like that, uh, it hit. And we had like marble-sized hail uh, at our house yesterday. And um, I guess we just missed some really severe stuff. Uh, what were they saying? Uh Maybe even tornadoes up in parts of the Toledo area, northern uh, Toledo and uh, southern Michigan. And boy, it looked like there were some really, really heavy heavy, uh, storms around uh, Sandusky and Norwalk and places like that. My goodness, that didn't miss us by much. Uh, Much calmer weather today, though. So we will welcome that. No question. So uh, this is kind of interesting. What do you uh, have planned for your weekend? Weekend right around the corner. It's Father's Day. Um, it turns out that many of us apparently are lying to our friends about our weekend plans. And it's all because we want to appear less lonely. According to a new survey from Heineken, uh, nearly half of the adults in this survey experience feelings of loneliness at least once a week. And that same number of people, nearly half, will hide those feelings from their friends by lying about what they uh, will be doing or what they did do over the weekend. They just want to appear less lonely. Some of the fake plans include uh, going out to the pub, going into town, heading out on a shopping trip with some pals, whatever. Uh, So if you ask your friends, your coworkers, what you're doing this weekend, and they uh, give you a whole line about all of their incredible plans, there is about a 50-50 chance that they are actually lying. Wow, that's sad, actually. It was interesting. A couple of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. Speaking of work, new data shows that millennials and Gen Zers are lazier when it comes to their jobs than their Gen X and Boomer counterparts now this is probably not a huge shock right i mean i think a lot of people might have guessed this but a new survey uh finds that 77 percent of younger workers between the ages of 18 to 30 have no intention 
of returning to their pre-COVID levels of productivity anytime soon. They got a taste of being lazy, and they liked it. Um, Almost 9 in 10 older generation employees, however, are still motivated uh, to uh, have a strong work ethic, motivated to to work hard, and all that. 9 in 10 of older generation employees, but uh, 77% of younger workers have no intention of returning to pre-COVID work levels. But let's be honest, uh, remote workers, and we're <laughs> we're doing the uh, program, maybe I shouldn't admit this, uh, doing the program, as, as we do quite often on uh, Fridays, originating the uh, program from the uh, home studio, we're uh, in the bunker this morning, um, from the uh, home studio on a uh, Friday. Uh, and I thought this was uh, kind of interesting, kind of goes along with the survey that shows that 77% of younger workers have no intention of returning to pre-COVID levels of productivity. Uh, it's because they've discovered there are other things to do while you are remote working. <laughs> Uh, now, there have been a lot of stories about remote workers uh, using their time on the clock to uh, shop online, scroll through social media, maybe just do some chores around the house, step away from the computer when they're supposed to be remote working and they're doing stuff around the house. Uh, a survey um, here found that with all of the extracurricular activities uh, that are available to remote workers, one in seven employees are only logging three to four hours of actual work. Uh, According to the study, three in ten remote workers evade their bosses by occasionally moving their mouse around so that their status on their computer can show that they are active instead of away from the computer. So what are are they doing? Again, uh, shopping, social media, doing stuff around the the house. (laughs) Even... In some cases, having um, <clears throat> intimate activities with their significant other. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> well, on the clock. All right, fess up. Uh, had, have you done that at all during those times when you've been uh, remote working, whether it was uh, during the pandemic, maybe you're back in the office now, or if you are continuing the remote working adventure, have you uh, been a little adventurous? <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> Be honest now. Uh, seven in, uh, one in seven, one in seven employees. Um, <laughs> they, they are doing these things. Okay. Um, Going to be a warm weekend after the uh, storms. We get back into the uh, warmer weather. Not so much today, but over the weekend, we'll be back into the 80s and uh, maybe pushing 90 next week again. Beware of the dog when it gets this warm. Researchers from Harvard Medical School analyzed nearly 70,000 reported incidents of dog attacks in eight U.S. cities between 2009 and 2018. So they did an exhaustive deep dive on all of this data on dog attacks, dog bites, and so on. Uh, in eight U.S. cities between 20, uh, 2009 and 2018 and found that dog bite incidents increased by 11% uh, on days with higher UV levels. 
Uh, they increased by 4% on days with higher temperatures and by 3% on days with increased levels of ozone. And it's going to be warmer over the weekend. And they say the uh, smoke may be back from the uh, wildfires uh, out of uh, Canada. So there will be uh, higher levels of uh, ozone. So, hey, the stars are aligning. Um, and it says they're... Uh, this researcher uh, from Harvard Medical says there was a slight decrease in dog bites on days with higher levels of rainfall. So, and I don't see any rain in the forecast here. So beware of dog over the uh, next. That's kind of interesting. Uh, dogs more likely to bite when it's hot out. You know. Uh, and a couple of other items here among the first things you need to know this morning. The most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Um... This has been in the news. You're going to hear about this uh, all day long. And I think it's important to point this out and make sure that you are aware of uh, this caveat, kind of an asterisk uh, on this story. President Joe Biden uh, has apparently been successful at pressuring ticket sellers like Ticketmaster and Live Nation and others into displaying their full purchase price up front rather than tacking on miscellaneous fees later in the purchase process, the administration has called them junk fees, and they have been really pushing to get rid of junk fees, not just for ticket sales, but also uh, when you rent a hotel room, like resort fees, they call those junk fees uh, or uh, you know, added uh, fees when you uh, book an Airbnb or what have you. Uh, so Ticketmaster and Live Nation are among those who have agreed to display the full purchase price up front rather than tacking on these miscellaneous fees later in the process. But here's the asterisk on this whole thing. It's probably not going to make tickets any cheaper. I mean, the administration has framed this as getting rid of junk fees, but that's not really what's happening. They're just being more transparent with them. So it's not going to make these tickets or anything any cheaper but will eliminate the nasty surprise factor at checkout. So uh, it's more transparent pricing, but is it really the elimination of junk fees? It's not really. So just thought I'd point that out because the reporting has been sort of vague on, uh, on that, at least the reporting that I've seen. Uh, thus far. And uh, lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, because we ha- always have to have something to be concerned about, something to be fearful of. There's always got to be at least one story in the news about, you know, pending doomsday, right? Here is today's Pfizer is warning of a shortage of penicillin. The pharmaceutical giant said in a letter to customers this week that there is an impending stock-out situation for two of its pre-filled syringes of injectable penicillin. The company is blaming the shortage on increased demand and more diagnoses of syphilis. Hmm. I did not know that we had an outbreak of syphilis. But apparently we do, and the company says... It expects syringes of penicillin to start running low by the end of this month, uh, and uh, the broader supply could begin diminishing in the third quarter of the year. So, we're running out of penicillin. All going to die. That is the uh, 
that's the thing that we got to be fearful of and worried about today. So uh, just in the interest of completeness, I uh, have to make sure that I panic you. I think that's the job. <laughs> I think that's the media's job in the in the media. We have to make sure that we panic you at least once or twice a day. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly sunny skies are expected today with the high in the mid-70s. Partly cloudy conditions remain tonight, a low in the mid-50s. Finley YMCA has announced that it'll be taking over before and after school programming at Finley City Schools beginning next school year. The YMCA says the program will provide safe and quality child care for children in kindergarten through fifth grade during the school year before school starts and after school is dismissed. Finley City Schools says their students deserve the best and the partnership between the YMCA and the school district will provide just that. Get more details with this story on our website. Protesters from East Palestine gathered at the Ohio State House demanding that the governor declare an emergency so federal funds can be made available to help four months after that toxic train derailment. Jess and Chad Connard bought their dream home with their three boys in February of 2022. We had just purchased a home about a year ago. About two and a half miles from where it happened. We're not really sure what to do next. We'll never be able to sell our house. Connard says she and her husband are still figuring out what's next for them. We want to stay, but we only want to stay if it's safe. With more questions than answers on the possible risks that lie ahead. Onan's Carly Dion reporting. Ohio lawmakers discussed a bill that would finally completely ban slavery in the state. Article 1, Section 6 of the Constitution of the state reads, quote, there shall be no slavery in this state nor involuntary servitude unless for the punishment of a crime. The language has been in place since 1851. Now, in 2023, lawmakers are pushing a resolution to remove both slavery and involuntary servitude from the state's Constitution. For the first time, the bill now has bipartisan support. I'm Andrew Kinsey. The slice of Seneca County Pizza Trail, sponsored by Destination Seneca County and the Seneca Regional Chamber of Commerce, will launch on Saturday. The new trail gives people an opportunity to explore Seneca County one slice at a time by supporting different pizza eateries to redeem a slice of Seneca County t-shirt. This new pizza trail has 19 participating locations, and you can see that full list and get more details about it with this story on our website. And remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So our cover story this morning, earlier this month, Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown was among a group of state elected leaders, including the Ohio Mayor's Alliance, who signed on to a letter encouraging the Biden administration and military officials to locate the U.S. Space Command headquarters in the Buckeye State. Yesterday, we spoke to the senator about why he and others think Ohio would be a good fit for the parent agency of the U.S. Space Force. Ohio is an aerospace state. We don't often think of ourselves that way, especially where I grew up in Mansfield or in Fenley or in northwest Ohio. We maybe think we're more of an auto state or now a solar state, and we're all that. But we're also an aerospace state with uh, with NASA Glenn in Cleveland, with Armstrong in Sandusky, with Patel in Columbus, with Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, with GE in Cincinnati, with all the aerospace-related jobs in Hancock County in the northwest Ohio. So um, the, 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 uh, the 
administration, the last administration, was going to put this space command in Alabama. The, 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 the application was a bit rigged, and Alabama got it. The, this administration's making a decision, do we move it out of Alabama and let other states compete? Ohio might be an underdog a bit in this, but we're competing. I'm teaming up uh, bipartisan David Joyce, Republican from Northeast Ohio, and I are leading the effort. Um, we've got uh, the mayor family as part of the uh, the part of our bipartisan coalition. Uh, we've got universities involved. We've got local economic development groups involved. Um, so we're in the running, and uh, we have a we have a chance. And if we don't get this, we've advanced. The, the view of Ohio around the country is an aerospace giant. You mentioned, uh, obviously, there is an infrastructure that already exists here from Wright Pat uh, Air, uh, Air Force Base uh, to the Glenn Research Center in Cleveland and uh, in Sandusky and so on. But this also would be an economic driver uh, for the state of Ohio with respect to advanced aerospace uh, development in the future. Yeah, there's no question that when we're we as an aerospace state are, are are growing in that way. You know, you can sort of look at the history too. We had John Glenn, we had Neil Armstrong. I guess we want to really look at the history. Go back, uh, I guess, 120 years this December to the Wright brothers. So right. um, we we clearly are the right place historically and practically now, and how our business community, the direction we go, and local governments. And um, I'm optimistic we have a shot at this. Again, we're the underdog. Uh, it's not sure the administration's going to pull it out of Alabama, um, but if they do, uh, Colorado and Ohio, I think, are the top two choices. And is there a timeline for that decision to be made that you're aware of? Uh, we talked to the Air Force. Um, I know a Republican from Dayton, Congressman Turner, has been, he's, he represents Wright Pat. I've worked with him closely on this. He's talked to the Air Force Secretary, so have we been talking to the Air Force. They're not going to get pinned down with a timeline. Um, but we need to move quickly. That's why Congressman Joyce and I led this bipartisan letter. Uh, we have a number of members of Congress, uh, both parties in Ohio, that have signed it. We want to continue to grow that number. Uh, the more unified we look, the louder voice we have, and the better our chance. We will continue to watch that uh, as those decisions are made. Again, Senator Sherrod Brown, thanks very much for taking some time. We appreciate it. Of course. Always, Chris. Thanks. You know, I love sharing stories involving things that the U.S. military is doing, especially when it relates to innovative ways of caring for the mental and physical well-being of those who serve. Even better when those programs become something of a proving ground for ideas that can benefit all of us. And joining us this morning is Colonel James Watts. He is an Army cardiologist and leader of a program called Mission 100. And Colonel, first of all, explain what Mission 100 is. I have some basic notes here in front of me, but certainly you can explain it much better than I could hope to. Oh, absolutely. Best way to think about Mission 100 is um, to focus on the 100. It's a mindset. It's a philosophy where we get 100% of the soldiers connected 100% of the time with 100% of the resources that we have available for them. And so let me explain that to you a little bit more concretely. So if you think about what it's like as a young adult to move to Alaska, 18 years old, 18 to 21 years old, um, it can be a very daunting experience um, Alaska's a uh, remote location. 
Um, it's a rugged location. Mm-hmm. Um, the physical nature of Alaska is, is uh, somewhat challenging. You've got 24 hours of daylight in the summer, 24 hours of darkness in the winter. Right. Um, the temperature swings are pretty, uh, pretty intense. Uh, it gets uh, down to negative uh, 40, negative 50 degrees um, in Alaska. Uh, and so uh, what we found is, is that um, this is a very challenging environment. And sometimes um, even the strongest of us need a helping hand. And so what we wanted to do was we wanted to break the stigma associated with health-seeking behavior. So we created this program to help soldiers thrive uh, in this challenging environment because combat in and of itself is a challenging environment. And so we really uh, wanted to start to get um, our soldiers' minds geared and mindset set on uh, seeking help when they need it. Mm -hmm. So let me zoom out just a a little bit. Uh, Talk a little bit about how Mission 100 fits into the Army's overall approach to supporting soldier health and well-being? Yeah, great question. So um, zooming out, uh, it's Mission 100 is, uh, think of, um, it's part of the two big umbrella programs that are part of the Army People First strategy. We know that our combat power um, and the essence of the Army is the soldier. It's not a plane, it's not a ship, it's the soldier. And so nurturing and cultivating um, our soldiers is how we're going to win in whatever challenge our army might face. One very specific program that we nest under is uh, army's uh, uh, excuse me, holistic health and fitness program. Mm-hmm. And uh, the holistic health and fitness program has multiple different domains of which uh, physical, psychological, and spiritual are three core ones. Um, and so Mission 100 nests very well into that uh, uh, those two overarching programs and strategies, yeah. all focused on the soldier. Yeah, yeah. Here again, this is another example, as you were saying, kind of the modernization uh, in the U.S. Army to prioritize uh, the well-being of soldiers. I mean, you, you talk to World War II veterans who were still around. They'll tell you that well-being back then was basically being told to buck up, soldier. And that's uh, that's not to disparage the military leaders of that era. It's what we knew at the time, but we know more today, and we're doing so much better today. Absolutely, and and. The Army is a product of its era. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the era that you referred to, the World War II generation, um, all part of the industrial era. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I mean, think of images such as Model T and uh, assembly lines and, and so on and so forth. And right. images of um, soldiers getting shots uh, down, down a, a corridor. Uh, that's not today's Army. Today's yeah. army, we're in the we are in the information era, and um, our soldiers are incredibly intelligent and highly trained um, to uh, to really accomplish some very complex tasks. Yeah. and so there there is an individualization uh, that is required to um, to make our army function and be successful in the current um, uh, 
geopolitical uh, environment that we face. So this program started with uh, soldiers serving in Alaska, as you referenced, which is obviously uh, you know very harsh conditions, as you were outlining. Is this now something that has expanded to personnel serving in other areas, or is that you know kind of on the table? Uh, Mission 100, uh, there are several programs in the Army like Mission 100 okay. um, at, at different installations. And so I think that the Mission 100 is, is our bend on um, implementing some of those key principles um, that the Army is approaching. And it's unique to Alaska, um, but the concepts um, are... Are uh, at different installations uh, for their unique environments. I see, and so uh, um, that's one of the key things. Uh, and are there any takeaways from this program that you can offer to kind of the rest of us uh, average folks who are looking to, like I said, I, what I love about programs like these, is especially, is uh, we can apply them to the civilian world and and benefit everyone. So for anyone who's looking to better their mental and physical health. Yeah, I think the big takeaway uh, that we don't talk about a lot um, is the importance of social connections. Uh, we are inherently social creatures, and we are going to thrive in groups and in teams. And um, I think that in our very technologically dominant era, uh, it's very easy to not um, uh, put yourself in social situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, uh, the path to wellness really does um, involve um, maintaining good relationships with family, with friends, with coworkers in a very uh, real and physical way. And just to kind of underscore a, a point, as we mentioned, you are an army cardiologist, so obviously you can see the connection between uh, emotional, mental uh, well-being and physical well-being. So uh, certainly uh, worth underscoring as well. Again, uh, Colonel James Watts uh, is with us this morning, leader of a program called Mission 100 for uh, soldiers serving in Alaska. And where do we learn more about all of this? Yeah, I think the best uh, starting point is GoArmy.com. A fantastic resource uh, to learn anything you wanted to know about our Army um, uh, is GoArmy.com. Colonel Watts, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Awesome. My pleasure. Thanks. So earlier this week, the uh, Marathon Center for the Performing Arts here in Findlay unveiled their upcoming season of main stage shows. Really good stuff there. And this morning, it is time to announce the new season at Tiffin's Historic Ritz Theater. And joining us once again to do that is Executive Director Michael Strong. Michael, what a season you have lined up. And I want to jump right into it because there are so many great shows. Uh, Thanks, Chris. You start in October with three big shows, Mickey Dolan's Amy Grant. Grant and country uh, singer Ray Lynn. Yes, we're we're starting off with a bang. Mickey Dolan's is uh, unfortunately the last of the surviving monkeys. Mm-hmm. Uh, the monkeys had three number one hits last train to Clarksville. I'm a believer and daydream believer, and uh, we're looking forward to having him. Amy Grant, of course, has six Grammy awards, twenty six Dove awards. Uh, she's got a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah, very very popular. We're looking forward to that. That's Friday, October twentieth. And Ray Lynn is somewhat of a sensation, an internet sensation. She's a country music star, budding star, and she is coming out Saturday, October 28th. She has had millions and millions of 
internet hits on her released songs. Yeah. So we're uh, looking forward to that. And uh, those are uh, just some terrific shows right out of the gate. Then into November, the legendary Clint Black. Clint Black on Thursday, November 2nd. Over 20 million records he sold, a dozen gold albums, uh, gold and platinum albums. Uh, he's also got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, <laughs> coincidentally. So he will be out there on November 2nd. Uh, and then the Hitmen in November as well, which is kind of another of those uh, classic rock review shows kind of thing. It's a review show, but not a tribute. What it is, yeah. is we've got a bunch of guys who have played with groups like Foreigner, Cheap Trick, Wings, Alan Parsons, Billy Joel, not as members of the band per se, but as session musicians okay. or have gone on tour with them, uh, for instance. So these guys have gotten together and they decided to form a band and they're going to play music that they're familiar with because they played it in the band. Hmm. So Layla did some journey music, uh, some foreigner. It's going to be a night of rock and roll. It's going to be a great night. That, and that's on Saturday, November 4th. Yeah, that does sound like that would be a lot of fun. Then in December, Kenny G is coming to the Ritz. Uh, again, another legend. I'm assuming this is his Christmas show, which should be spectacular. Absolutely. We're looking forward to that one quite a bit. Uh, he's got seven top 40 charting singles, 17 Grammy nominations, uh, smooth saxophone, but he'll be playing holiday music, which is just going to go over really, really well. And we get into uh, 2024. You've got the Nobodies of Comedy and Here Come the Mummies, both uh, coming back after the first of the year. Yes, indeed. And then the Four Freshmen, Fog Hat, and the Toledo Symphony Brass Quintet. Yes, we're, we're really finishing off with a bang as well. The four freshmen have been around since 1948, not this current uh, grouping of them. Right. But uh, they're going to do uh, music that I would think a young audience will recognize and a little nod to the older audience. Mm -hmm. They had big hits like Graduation Day and yeah. Day by Day. Uh, one thing that we skipped over on Saturday, March 9th, we're doing a, a show called Chicago Transit. Ah. And what it is, is that's a tribute to Chicago. I miss that. And uh, because uh, Chicago's first album was called, when they, they were called Chicago Transit Authority. Right. So they've named their group Chicago Transit. They're out of Canada, and they have been doing Chicago now for since the 1990s. And they're the longest-running Chicago tribute out there. And, and for my money, the best-sounding. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, uh, mixed in there are a number of Friday Night Live unplugged performances. You've got Monday Night at the Movies events, full schedules mm -hmm. for the Ritz Players and the Ritz uh, Teen Thespian Guild. We're quite busy. I think we're busy 36 or 37 weeks of the year. How cool is it to have so much top-notch entertainment uh, here at uh, these local community venues, these small uh, venues, intimate venues, where every seat is a good seat. And I mean, it's just terrific places to see shows. I think Heather at the Marathon Center would say the same thing that I'm about to say. I have to remind myself sometimes that I have a pretty cool job. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. I've gotten to meet uh, some incredible artists over the 30, 35 years that I've been involved in this. And uh, I think bringing these artists to a small town makes a small town um, the place to want you want to live. Yeah. yeah. It really adds to the ambience and, and adds to the value uh, of living in a small town like Findlay or Tiffin. 
and we are so fortunate to have the facilities to be able to welcome these uh, performances in. So, uh, you know, really, really blessed. Now, uh, again, the uh, season actually starts in October. Give us all of the details on tickets. Well, the first show is in September. That's the Ritz Players opening with Pippin okay. at okay. the end of September. Subscription sales begin on July 10th. Renew your subscription if you're a current subscriber uh, starting July 10th. Uh, new subscriptions begin July 24th. Flex packages, that's if you pick three or more shows, those sales begin July 31st. And single event tickets uh, go on sale August 7th. But with the quality of the stuff we're bringing in, you'll want to get three or more shows at least. Oh, absolutely. And again, uh, no seat is a bad seat. It's a great place to see a, a show. Again, uh, Executive Director Michael Strong with us this morning. We'll uh, link it up for more information online. Michael, thanks very much, and here's to a great season. Thanks, Chris. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. The one thing that if you are considering a life of crime, a career in uh, in breaking the law, uh, the one thing that will not serve you well is a conscience. I mean, that's if you're a, if you're a burglar, you really can't have a conscience and be successful at it. Um, case in point, story out of Philadelphia, where <laughs> uh, Paige Tosher uh, had her home burglarized recently. Now, Paige uh, has those home security cameras, you know, connected to the Internet and everything. So she has these in her home, and thus she caught on video uh, this uh, person breaking into her home and taking two designer purses filled with cash and credit cards. When Paige posted the video on Facebook, <laughs> she was shocked when the burglar responded with several comments apologizing for his crime. <laughs> the burglar saw the video and posted an apology on the uh, Facebook post. <laughs> he apologized for forgiveness and explained that he actually went to the wrong house but grabbed some stuff on the way out since he was there anyway. <laughs> that was his explanation. Actually went to the wrong house, but I figured as long as I was there. <laughs> uh, Paige uh, pointed the responses out to local authorities who now have arrested the suspect. Again, if you're a burglar, if you're considering a life of crime, you really can't have a conscience. It does not serve you well. <laughs> Alrighty then. Elsewhere in the broken news today, a uh, man in Salt Lake City is facing aggravated arson charges after trying to set fire to a fast food restaurant. 65-year-old Thomas Lingle went to the local Carl's Jr., um, which is basically Hardee's. Uh, we have we have Hardee's restaurants in this part of the country. They call them Carl's Jr. Uh, out west. But anyway, same restaurant. So uh, Mr. Lingle uh, goes to the uh, Carl's Jr. Uh, location and asks for some free food. <laughs> um, staff refused to give him free food. Uh, this was Monday. Uh, investigators then say he returned the next day, Tuesday, piled some trash and other material against the side of the restaurant, and then set it on fire. 
<laughs> because they refused to give him free food. Um, he reportedly threatened employees further right in front of police officers after he was arrested. They called the cops and he was arrested and then threatened the employees for calling the cops. Um, <laughs> and the report goes on to say that Mr. Lingle uh, was also charged with uh, reckless driving. So, <laughs> yes, for just for good measure uh, there, I suppose. <clears throat> Uh, let's see here. Uh, this from the UK, where a naked man was arrested on Tuesday after stripping down to have intimate relations with a tree in broad daylight. <laughs> uh, video footage captured by onlookers, stunned onlookers, show the man kissing and rubbing against a stump in Queen Elizabeth Gardens Park in Wiltshire, England. According to authorities, he was arrested on suspicion of indecent exposure. <laughs> suspicion of indecent exposure. They don't really know if it was truly indecent. <laughs> Let me have a good look at you. Is that indecent? I don't know. <laughs> suspicion of indecent exposure. Okay. Moving on, here's another case, uh, this time out of Houston, of police being called in to investigate a possible dead body, only to find out that it's something very different. The Harris County Sheriff's Office uh, said they got a call uh, about a woman's body uh, discovered in the northeast part of the county. Uh, foul play was suspected, uh, but it all turned out to be a false alarm. The Sheriff's Office tweeted on Wednesday, that the body turned out to be an adult inflatable toy. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Just an adult toy. Nothing to see here. <laughs> Somebody needs that to give that to the guy in England who was trying to have intimate relations with a tree. Give him something else to do. <clears throat> now, this is all kinds of bizarre... Uh, I saw this on the uh, Newswire, and I was like, "What? Uh, wait, what? Apparently, you can now... <laughs> what happens? You have a, a pet pass away. Sadly, we've all experienced it. We've had to say goodbye uh, to a beloved family pet. And uh, maybe you bury the pet in the backyard. Maybe you have the pet cremated. Well, now you can liquefy your dead pet. The environmentally friendly process is called alkaline hydrolysis and involves using chemicals to break down the body, leaving behind only bones and a drainage-safe liquid behind. You can liquefy your pet. Uh, according to the Seattle-based company Resting Waters, the new burial service offers true compassion and care for your departed companion while providing a gentle and environmentally responsible water process. Oh... No, no, I don't want to liquefy my pet. Jeez, I'm going to come up with these things. And finally, in the broken news this morning, there will be no more going to hell on bus 666. <laughs> this is in Poland. Apparently, the bus to the town of hell 
which actually is spelled with one L uh, in Poland uh, on the uh, Baltic coast. The bus has long been very popular with tourists because it's number 666 going to hell. But some Christian conservatives have protested the number signifying the devil on a bus leading to a place that sounds like the word hell. The uh, local bus operator announced this week that bus 666 will no longer run to hell. It, uh, they said they had flipped the last number and it would now run the line under the number 669 beginning later this month. However, local media said the bus company acted under the pressure of Christian groups and was already considering returning to the old number of 666 amid a public outcry over the change. It's like a tourist, uh, a tourist spot. And they don't want to lose the tourism. That's, uh, you know what they say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. There you go. Uh, That is today's broken news report, an update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Did you know more than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio for their news, traffic, weather, sports, and a community connection? AM radio is the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping Americans safe in dangerous times. This is News Director Matt Demchek. AM 1330 WFIN is here to serve you, and we take seriously our commitment to our listeners. We would love to hear what you value most about AM radio. Visit wearebroadcasters.com and tell us how you depend on AM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. If you ask any parent these days, uh, they'll tell you that the cost of child care is just astronomical. Uh, As a matter of fact, according to the annual report from the Andy E. Casey Foundation, the cost of child care since 1990 has gone up by 220%. 220% increase in the cost of child care since 1990. Uh, The average yearly cost to care for one child is $10,600. These are the numbers from 2021. And that is more than a third, they say, more than a third of a single parent's income on average. Child care cost in the U.S. has significantly outpaced inflation as the cumulative rate of inflation from June 1990 to May of 2023 is about 138 percent. And again, the cost of child care has gone up 220 percent. But it may be worth it, as it turns out. New research, this is separate research, reveals that high-quality child care can significantly enhance a child's grades especially in those all-important subjects of mathematics and science. This research explains that children who received both emotional warmth and cognitive stimulation from their caregivers performed better in the STEM fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. The connection was found to be particularly robust among children from low-income backgrounds. Unfortunately, these are the same kids that... Those families can least afford that uh, quality child care. These uh, findings were published in the journal Developmental Psychology. The research team from the University of California at Irvine analyzed data from nearly 1,000 families 
with kids born in 1991 and tracked them until 2006. As part of that study, trained observers made visits to the daycare centers and preschools where these children who were enrolled for at least 10 hours per week attended, and they noted the type of care, the type of attention they got, and then tracked their grades as they advanced through their years in elementary, middle, and, and high schools. And I'm interesting stuff. It's expensive, but in the end, might be worth it. The only sad thing is that, again, the biggest influence of quality child care was on low-income families who can least afford the cost of child care these days. And now, once again, my wife, Kyra, has joined us in the studio with another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Good morning. Good morning. So, we've got Father's Day uh, coming up. Yep. And uh, these are these are great uh, recipes for Dad's Day. Yeah. I think. I think so. Especially the uh, onion rings. Cause yeah. Because that's like one of our dad's we were talking. Yeah, we were talking <laughs> about this uh, yesterday. Um, your dad... My dad loved loves onion, onion rings. rings. My dad loved uh, onion rings. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of yep. a little sentimental there. Yep. Uh, but first, so we'll get to that uh, here in uh, just a moment. But first, have a recipe for, and this sounds uh, rather interesting, Philly cheesesteak sloppy joes. Yeah. So okay. one pound of uh, ground beef, two tablespoons butter, one small yellow onion diced, one small green pepper diced, um, bell pepper, uh, eight ounce uh, brown mushrooms minced, uh, two tablespoons ketchup, one tablespoon Worcestershire sauce, half a teaspoon of kosher salt, half a teaspoon of fresh black pepper, one tablespoon cornstarch, one cup beef broth, eight ounce of your provolone cheese uh, slices chopped up, and then your buns to serve it on. Right. So add the ground beef to and, a... And yes. by the way, uh, when you say the buns, you yeah. actually, it says here like brioche, brioche ham, buns. hamburger buns. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to hoagie buns, which you typically think Philly right. cheesesteaks. You could do it you in a do, hoagie, too. Yeah, you could I do mean, it in a hoagie. You could do it, do it in a hoagie, however you like. So, um, you know, whatever type yeah. of bun you like, so anyway, go for it. But it does say so, uh, hamburger buns yeah, on the does say, uh, recipe. It so. says hamburger buns, um, but yeah, you could do That's could not do really that. important. Yes. Anyway. So add your ground beef to a large cast iron skillet, brown and break apart. Stir the ground beef and brown until uh, deep, there has like a deep, crust and especially like on the bottom of your cast iron pan okay it, there's gonna it's gonna kind of appear there at the bottom okay uh remove the beef from the skillet then add your butter your onion your bell peppers and your mushrooms let that brown for two to three minutes then stir uh stir it um and then let it brown for another then let it cook for another two to three minutes it's going to brown even more okay uh then add the beef back into the pan then um in a small cup mix the beef broth and the cornstarch together add the ketchup the the worcestershire sauce salt and pepper your and uh your uh, mixture all mix that all together because mm -hmm. that's going to kind of be your thickening sauce. Gotcha. Um, then uh, pour that over your beef, uh, mix that all up, uh, cook the mixture for about three to five minutes. It's going to thicken up sort of like a thick gravy. Okay. Uh, turn off your heat, add your provolone cheese, stir that together, let that melt. 
and then put it serve it on your uh, on buns your, on your buns yes. your brioche buns or your hoagie buns yeah. or whatever whatever it's, yeah yep. and you could even stuff. if you wanted to you could uh butter up your your uh, the buns and kind of put them in mm-hmm. your uh, skillet and brown those up too Ooh, if yeah. you wanted. There you go. So the Philly make it even steak. more fattening. Sloppy Joe's. <laughs> uh, then Father's we have the uh, recipe for the onion rings. Yes. So two sweet onions, one cup buttermilk, one and a half cups of all-purpose flour, two tablespoons seafood seasoning, one teaspoon of kosher salt, and three cups of vegetable oil. So cut each of your onions, remove the peel. A slice about three inch thick thick slices. Separate the, the rings. Save the smaller pieces for something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could well, even you put could it use to your for yeah, your sloppy joes for your, your sloppy uh, joes. Cheese can, steak yep, sloppy joes. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then um, in a shallow bowl, combine your flour with your seasoning and your salt. Uh, add the buttermilk to another bowl. Then line a rim baking sheet with your parchment paper or foil or whatever, or even wax paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, put your onions through your flour, then dip them into the buttermilk, and then back into the flour until it's completely coated. Shake off the excess flour. Place in a single layer on a lined baking sheet, uh, your lined baking sheet. Uh, and then if you fill the sheet, start up another one. <laughs> so, Or you could put uh, film on top of that, or, you know, your... Uh, wax paper or your parchment paper and then start another a layer however okay. you like uh, freeze your onion rings for about 15 so minutes this is the interesting part I mean you've yes. got them on uh, you've got them on the uh, baking sheets mm-hmm. and then you're going to actually put them in the freezer, freezer to kind of firm up that batter yeah yes. so that yep. it doesn't like drip off right okay. right and then all when right. you start frying them then they'll be nice and that all that coating that's will the stay secret. on yes. that's the secret yes so uh, this will set the breading Onto the onions. Uh, so then heat your ve- vegetable oil in a Dutch oven or a heavy bottom uh, pan, deep deep dish pan, 350 degrees. Uh, use your use a thermometer because you really want to try and keep that that 350 degrees to a constant. Yeah, yeah. So uh, line. So then drop each onion ring into the hot oil, being careful not to splash. Cook a few times, uh, flip it over, make sure it's nice and golden brown on each side for about one minute. Uh, continue cooking until completely golden round, golden brown, and then remove and put onto a wire rack. There you go. It's a great uh, recipe for uh, onion rings yes. to go along with the uh, Philly cheesesteak sloppy joes. And then for dessert, we have a snickerdoodle peach, peach cobbler. cobbler. Yes, and this is Chris likes snicker, snickerdoodles. I love snickerdoodles. He does, so that's why I, just, I picked this one. You know what? One. I love it more than more for the name than <laughs> yeah. anything else. Okay. Uh, because I just like saying snickerdoodles. snickerdoodles. <laughs> so, so for your cookie topping, you have one pound sugar cookie, uh, sugar cookie mix, so one pouch of sugar cookie mix. It's a 17.5 ounce package, a half a cup of butter softened, one large egg, two tablespoons of granulated sugar, one teaspoon of ground cinnamon then for your peaches 10 cups of thinly sliced peaches a half a cup of granulated sugar three tablespoons of your all-purpose flour teaspoon 
two teaspoons of lemon juice and one teaspoon of ground cinnamon. So heat your oven to 375 degrees. Spray a 9 by 13 inch baking dish with cooking spray. Set aside. Prepare the snickerdoodle cookie dough. Combine your cookie mix, your butter, and egg into a mixing bowl. Use a wooden spoon or... uh, a strong spoon or your hand mixer or a regular mixer uh, and mix that up. It's going to be kind of crumbly, set aside. And then in a small bowl, combine your sugar and your cinnamon, stir to mix it all together, set that aside, prepare your peaches, um, just peel off your, peel your peaches and thin those or th- slicely thin those. Place the peaches in a large bowl, add your sugar, your flour, your lemon juice and your cinnamon and stir all that to coat it up. Uh, then pour that into your prepared baking dish, uh, spread that out evenly. Um, and then pressing down, kind of press it down with the palm, with the palm of your hands, Mm -hmm. take a, a handful of your cookie dough, kind of put that on top of it. So you're going to have like, okay, cookie dough, um, then flatten that down. Um, and then continue to, um, can you continue with the rest of your cookie dough until it's completely covered? It's going to be like a crust. Bake at three, three, 35 to 45 minutes at that 375 degrees. Serve warm with some ice cream. Mm, lovely stuff. Yes. That's, uh, that's a great meal there for uh, Father's Day. Yes. Good stuff. The Philly, <laughs> uh, Philly cheesesteak sloppy joes. The onion rings and the snickerdoodle peach cobbler. Yes. Uh, all of those recipes are on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page, yep. right? At Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook. If you want to follow uh, Kyra's Kitchen's uh, Facebook page for uh, more recipes and other goodies. Uh, also, of course, you can uh, share your favorite recipes and you know all of that fun stuff and interact if you've got any questions or whatever. We also have it all linked up at goodmornings.net if you want those uh, recipes. And my wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. That, of course, goodmornings.net. So check us out online. Coming up Monday in honor of Juneteenth, we'll take a closer look at WalletHub's latest eye-opening study on racial economic equality, a state-by-state analysis identifying areas of success and areas for improvement. So until Monday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.